0: Hey, welcome to Real Talk with Nina. I'm Nina, and shit's about to get real. This is going to be another one of those mini-episodes that I did last time, where it's literally just me speaking about some random shit that comes to my head in between podcasts, and I think to myself, you know what? I've had these questions so many times, I might as well just do an episode on it and hopefully answer it for more people. The most common question I get, honestly, and it's the... Is probably the most common struggle I have with clients that I'm coaching as well is I hear this my partner doesn't have a sex drive now is it possible that there's something clinically going on sure probably more on the lower end of the probability scale What's on the higher end of the probability scale is this massive lack of understanding about how our sex drive works. Even more so, the fact that there are different types of sex drive, and on top of that, we are bombarded with media that totally fucks it up for everybody. We think, and i'm going to include myself in this because i'm human just because i'm a coach doesn't mean that i'm not human i was raised with the same bullshit education that didn't include anything about pleasure i was raised you know in a culture that shamed women for even admitting that they could possibly potentially maybe have a sex drive so i get all of that listen i've been in a monogamous marriage for almost 18 years I have two children, I get it. I get the ups and downs, I get the dry spells, I get the body image struggles, I get the, you know, being so momed out or parented out that the last thing you think of is yourself as a sexual being. I get all of it. I also get that our sexuality is so dynamic, our fantasies change, our desires change, our wants change, our level of comfort talking about this stuff with our partner changes. Like, I think, I think the larger problem here is that we are never taught this stuff. And so what's teaching us is porn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, OnlyFans, you know, chatterbait, you know, cam girls and guys. And like, that's what's teaching us. It takes a tremendous amount of effort and trust in the process to combat all of the messages we've received. I can't tell you how many women and men I speak to still that believe wholeheartedly that women come from penetration alone. I can't tell you how many women I speak to that do not masturbate that have never had an orgasm or rarely have them, who have fantasies that they feel they could never share with their male partner. This is in heterosexual relationships primarily. If people truly knew how human sexuality worked, which side note is different for everybody. So how could we really know how it works? But I digress. I really believe we would, embrace the fact that we're so different in what we require to get turned on, to get aroused, to have an orgasm, to build up desire, what foreplay means to us is different than the next person. It isn't that they don't have a sex drive. Now, let let me just remind you what I said in the beginning. If there's something clinical going on, okay, fair enough. Right There's a lot of hormonal things, medication, all that stuff. Barring that, there's different types of sex drive, and I encourage you to check out my free sex drive webinar. You can find it on my Instagram page at Nina Real Talk. It's free. Plug in your email. You get a recorded version that goes into spontaneous sex drive and responsive sex drive. I'm gonna go into it briefly here, but I I highly encourage you to go check out the webinar. But basically spontaneous desire is what everybody sees in porn and movies. You see somebody who's hot, they pick you up, they throw you against the wall and you guys have this mad passionate sex. Apparently everybody's horny at the exact same time. There's no buildup, everything is great. And I mean, is there some truth to that in the beginning of a relationship or maybe with casual sex? Sure, right? But if we're talking about long-term relationships, and that's typically the folks that I coach, what I'm finding is that there is a lack of emotional trust that stems from our own shame of owning what turns us on. So I've spoken to wives who, in order to get off, they need to fantasize about something that they are terrified to tell their partner. I have talked to straight men who are super turned on by the thought of being with their wife and another man. So there's some bi-curiosity there, which another side note is really not uncommon. It's just uncommon to hear about it, right? And I talk about this all the time. As a female, I can go into the middle of the street right now and say, I went down on a woman last night and I'm married to a man. If anything, people might say things like, oh, your husband's so lucky, or oh, that's so hot, or they might be like, oh, maybe you're bi, right? I really wouldn't get shamed much, right, at all, and there are going to be people who don't even question my sexuality. It's like this common fantasy of like, oh, college girls get drunk and hook up, and they're not gay, or even bi, they're just drunk, hot girls. But if I said, oh, my guy friends got drunk and hooked up last night in college, all of a sudden they're all gay. The only difference between those two scenarios is the piss poor messaging about what masculinity means and what femininity means. That's it. There is no truth behind that. It's just cultural messaging, which if we can learn it, we can unlearn it. Just an FYI. But anyway, some of the questions I would ask you to think about are, have you expressed to your partner what turns you on? Do you know what turns you on? Are you comfortable with what turns you on? And if you're not, reach out to me because we need to get you comfortable with it and i know people listening right now are going oh but if nina knew what really turned me on she wouldn't she would understand why i'm so uncomfortable well let me let me explain some things to you guys all right barring you know child pornography which yeah that's like a non-negotiable right um that that's a that's a no uh barring that i really um have heard <laughs> have heard it all from i mean vomit and shit and piss and rape fantasies and same sex fantasies and gangbangs and aliens and dinosaurs and dragons and overeating fetishes and i mean like nothing surprises me nothing Absolutely nothing. And I recently had a post where I said, if you are feeling shame because of the porn category you're turned on by, I need to remind you that Pornhub did not create the category just for you. I mean, you're special, but not that special. So trust me, if it's a category in porn, uh, at some point in our world's history, more than you search for it. So relax on that, okay? Uh, the other thing is fantasies do not equal desires. I'm going to say that again. Fantasies do not equal desires. You know what the mo- one of the most common porn searches for straight women is? Lesbian porn for a multitude of reasons. But do you know that most women are not lesbians? So how could you possibly make sense of that? Right? It's because fantasies do not equal desires. They don't. They don't. I've done polls on my Instagram page where I say, you know, when you fantasize, is it about things that you would never want to happen? Is it about things that have already happened that you're kind of reminiscing about? Are there things that haven't happened but you want to happen? So many people said fantasizing about things I would never necessarily want to happen. Fantasies are arousing because they aren't our reality. Fantasies exist. The ability to fantasize truly exists so that our brain can take us to places that perhaps are not safe in real life or maybe they would not work, you know, emotionally for you in real life. It's a place to explore the breadth of your imagination in a safe space. Period. Desires are things you want, you actually want. Very different than fantasies. Desires are things like, "Wow, this could be a reality for me. This is, I want this to be a reality for me." Okay. The other thing is, what kind of buildup? is there. You know, people talk about foreplay and it gets like shit on. And a lot of that, unfortunately, is from this the culture that we are raised in is really based on male pleasure and how dicks, you know, prefer to be <laughs> to be turned on. Well, newsflash, the other 50% of the world uh doesn't have a dick and doesn't necessarily get turned on the way that a dick does. So we're gonna to have to eventually address the other half of the world here. I'm really focusing on cisgendered men and cisgendered women in heterosexual relationships. Does that mean that gay, trans, bi, you know, pan, all of them don't experience sex drive mismatches? No, of course not, of course they do. I mean, like we're all human. However, scientifically speaking, the biggest gap is in cisgendered heterosexual relationships, which, you know, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. So people think, especially with kids, right? I coach a lot of Gen X couples. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer and a lot of us have kids. We've been parents for at least, you know, eight to 10 years, 12, 15 years at this point. And the thought of foreplay is like, when the hell are we going to have time to like light candles and take a bath and have a full on body massage? And, you know, I get it, right? I don't have time for that. I don't even know if I have the patience for it, to be totally honest with you. I require it. I require buildup. However, there are other ways for that buildup to happen. I'm really big on sexting. I think that that's, especially in this new age where we have technology at our fingertips, literally. I also have some tips on sexting that we can go over, you know, in another episode. But that is a great way. It's a great way. If you watch porn and you find a clip that you like, send it to your partner. Also the importance of affection outside the bedroom. If your partner has a responsive drive, that means there needs to be something to respond to in order to get turned on. A lot of it is I was rubbing her arm and told her she looked really pretty And then, you know, I try to roll her over and I'm like, okay, all right. So four and a half seconds of buildup means shit. It means absolutely nothing. And somebody with a responsive drive is also highly depending on the context and environment. So if the kids fought that day and and they had a rough day and you guys had a rough day and then you decide to, to try to turn around and have sex, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. If the house is a mess and the dishes aren't done and they're stressing about work the next day, nope. And a lot of times in coaching, I try to give analogies. And one of the analogies I often give is when we try to download an app on our phone and we don't have enough storage, you can try to download that app a thousand times. Nothing is going to happen unless you get rid of some of the other apps. Am I right? It's no different. So if I'm stressed, right, and I'm not feeling good about myself and maybe we argued earlier in the day, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. So perhaps in those moments, try to focus on um, just connecting. Let's watch a funny TV show, right? Or you seem really stressed, I'm so sorry I had a bad day. What can we do? To, to get you out of this mood, knowing that in that moment that's the goal, not sex, because what happens is if you're always trying to treat your partner right in order to have sex with them, what will happen is you'll get frustrated, they will pick up on it, they'll feel guilty and resentful for not always being in the mood you'll you'll feel guilty for quote unquote pressuring your partner or like you, like something's wrong with you like you have such a high sex drive that you're like a monster and it, it nothing will ever match up like that 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 doesn't work for for any partner what turns them on what's the kind of environment you're creating or what's the kind of environment that unfortunately has already been created that day because a lot of things in life are out of our control do you know what turns your partner on and if you don't you probably should have a conversation. And it doesn't look like, hey, I noticed that I can't turn you on. Can you just tell me what turns you on? Right? Don't do that. That's like, that is not sexy. There are really fun apps like the Spicer app, or you can go to we should try None of these are sponsored, by the way. This is just, I'm literally giving you free coaching advice. These are This is stuff I give to my clients. Uh, I don't have any affiliation with either of those. They're just things I've found over the last few years that I think are fun ways to bring up difficult conversations or awkward conversations. Go on Google and literally type in, you know, sex quiz for couples. Make it fun. There's enough in this life that is not fun. Let's try to make sex not one of those things. So if we're going back to different sex drive types, think of the responsive drive, like a wood-burning fireplace, takes a while to get started. Takes a while to have the flame grow. You have to pay attention to it. You have to put balls of newspaper, stoke it and blow on it sometimes. That sounds really sexual, which is totally fine, but that's not where I was going. But like, whatever. Spontaneous is like a gas fireplace where you walk over to the wall, you flick on a switch, bam, there's the fire. The majority of men have spontaneous desire. Women typically have responsive or a little bit of both, depending on the day, the hour, the phase of life they're in. So you can imagine where there's this big gap between connecting sex drives when they're literally, it would be like somebody who's never had a wood-burning fireplace decides to learn on their own with no education how to start a fire, a wood-burning fire. And Know all the tricks and know all the workarounds. It's not look it could happen eventually But it's gonna take a shit ton of time and like let me help you over that that learning curve Ask your partner what turns them on Talk about fantasies And yes, that includes the ones that are uncomfortable Sometimes the most uncomfortable conversations are the most transformative so if you are the female partner in the relationship, and you have fantasies about watching your male partner with another man, tell him. And if you're on the receiving end of hearing a fantasy that perhaps is brand new, that you've never heard your partner say, or maybe it makes you slightly uncomfortable, right? Do not shame your partner. Or go, oh my God, I would never do that. That's disgusting shit, That seriously, that's what you think about? I can guarantee you, your partner would probably never open up to you again. And it could lead to the downfall of your relationship eventually. Because what's going to happen is if they don't feel emotionally safe talking about uncomfortable things in the bedroom, they're not going to feel emotionally safe talking about uncomfortable things outside of the bedroom. And without either of those, you have no trust, no intimacy, no vulnerability, and no actual connection. Just a PSA. And the other thing is you don't have to jump into your most taboo fantasy. I didn't. It wasn't like in the first five years of marriage, I just laid out all of the crazy things I fantasized about with my husband. Absolutely not. Take your time. Start with ones that that are more comfortable for you. Or maybe start with ones that you're pretty certain your partner would be like, okay, yeah, that's hot. It's like building the foundation of a house with concrete, right? You, you pour the concrete and you have to wait until it dries before you build the next layer of your house. So I can understand, again, there are relationships that are super open, you know, communication wise, and they're totally chill with talking about whatever fantasies they have. But if you're not like that, totally fine. Start with something that is less scary for you to talk about, which is why I like the we should try it.com or spite the Spicer app or, you know, or even this or that games, right? So each of you could write, you know, would you rather do this or that? And maybe you try to guess what the partner would say, right? You have to make it fun. And I found that if there's a middle person and that middle person could be a coach, that middle person could be a Google quiz, that middle person could be an app, when you add that buffer in between, it's easier to talk about. It just is. And the thing is, I'll hear from guys all the time. Either I have no idea what turns around, we've never talked about fantasies. Okay, well then you're literally trying to find a needle in the dark, because that's, it will, it's not gonna happen. You need to talk about it. And I think sometimes people ask me these questions hoping that I have this magical wand of an answer Like, oh, all you have to do is hit A, B, A, B, up, down, up, down, select, start. Where are my 80s kids, okay? The little little Nintendo reference. Um, No, it it isn't this magical wand thing. It's like, shit, these conversations are uncomfortable. What can we do to make them less uncomfortable so that they can still happen? Anyway, I'm Nina. You're listening to the Real Talk with Nina podcast. You can find out more about me and what I do at realtalkwithnina.com on Instagram, Nina Real Talk. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. If you have any questions, feel free to email me, nina at realtalkwithnina.com. If you're looking into coaching, go to my website, click on coaching, fill out the discovery form, and I will get back to you. Thanks so much again, guys. Take care.